Welcome to Mental Healthy, where we share the stories and expertise of professionals working diligently in the field of mental health. I'm your host today, Dr. Kenyon Knapp. I've got some great friends here today, and I thought we would cover the topic of foster care and adoption. I know there's a lot of you out there who work with foster care and adoption, and so I've got some experts here in the room with me who can share with you a little bit about that. My two guests today are Mr. Dave Helfrich, who's a program supervisor with the Bear Foundation, and then Whitney Boyd, who's an intake coordinator with the Bear Foundation. So we're glad to have you all with us today. Glad to be here. Thank you for having us. We probably ought to begin with just learning a little bit about the Bear Foundation. I know there's lots of different adoption and foster care agencies, but the Bear Foundation has been around for a while. So could you share a little bit about the Bear Foundation with the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So the Bear Foundation has been around for 53 years. We served over a quarter of a million children in foster care all across the U.S. We're in nine different states. And here in Virginia, we actually have three offices, one in Virginia Beach, one in Richmond, and the newest one, which is here in the Lynchburg area. The Bear Foundation is really a ministry. It's about serving children and families that are in crisis in a way that honors Christ and uplifts the family. Obviously, the Bear Foundation is a Christian organization, but it seems to me that working with any foster care and adoption thing is sort of almost inherently a ministry because you're dealing with kids who are in a difficult spot in life. And I know a lot of people, their hearts go out to kids who are in foster care situation and all. I'd say I've got listeners who are mental health professionals all across the country, and people hear about foster care and adoption, but I don't know that they know the level of intricacy of things involved like you all do. So why don't you tell us, what are some of the common struggles that children encounter who are in foster care or adoption? Like, what do they struggle with? So a lot of the kids that come into our care, of course, have been disrupted from their natural environment, whether that be biological mom and dad or other family members. So a lot of them are going to come into our care automatically with some degree of trauma, whether that is abuse, neglect, maybe like attachment deficits where they either overly attach to people or have a really hard time with attachment. A lot of them may have emotional dysregulation, behavioral issues, really just a myriad of, you know, a lot of symptoms that we see kind of just across the board in varying degrees. And of course, they're children too. So when you talk about struggles they deal with, and when we're talking to mental health professionals, we're a little more limited in the mental health field because a lot of our therapies are designed for adults, not children. But there's some therapies that you all try to work with as well, and there's therapeutic skills you teach people. Could you share with us a little bit about some of the techniques you teach your foster parents or adoptive parents? Sure. Our entire company actually received a TBRI training, Uh which is basically a very in-depth training on how to handle really trauma when you see it in children, how to empathize with them. It really covers the background, kind of where these traumas are coming from and kind of how they'll manifest and what that'll look like in the home. A lot of times, you know, parents will hear a diagnosis, but they really don't know what that looks like on a day-to-day basis. So that specific training really just helped us to understand ways that we can help our parents by really just, you know, if you have a child that's had, you know, sexual abuse or, I don't know, neglect growing up, and they're one of those kids that, you know, notice that they are always hoarding food or have really difficult times around meals, Mm -hmm. to understand kind of where that's stemming from and just practical things that they can do to kind of just meet that kid where they're at. We also have 
monthly trainings that come from our corporate office. Sometimes it could be self-care. Sometimes it could just be a really helpful article or like a video demonstration of certain things that we can share with our parents so they can kind of get a better idea of what it looks like in action when certain things kind of come up with our kiddos. And then we also do individualized training with each family. So if one family is kind of experiencing a specific issue with their specific kid, we'll kind of go in and kind of try to help them out with some interventions, behavioral modification type of exercises to kind of help them mitigate that specific behavior. So there's really a lot of things that we can do. It sounds um, like a lot. To yeah. help our families out when it comes to our kiddos. And then we also utilize, you know, community resources. We reach out to therapists that do play therapy. We do ABA therapy or intensive in-home therapy in the home setting. We also ask, sometimes we do Christian counseling uh-huh. specific to families that want to do that for the child. It really is all based on the individual. So a child comes in, we really do an evaluation of that child and find find out what is their needs, Mm -hmm. what is the services that would best fit them, and then we try to meet those needs the best way we can. That sounds highly specific to each child because I know there's so many different stories you hear about the different needs that kids have, so that must be pretty extensive, all the approaches you must have to have. It really is. I mean, overall, we have to have, you know, a really good assessment time Mm -hmm. where we get to know these children. The families is vital during this time. The foster parents and the adoptive parents, they are there 24-7 with these kids, and we need their feedback to understand the complexity of what these kids are coming from and what are the challenges that they're facing. And so once we go through that assessment, then we kind of find out, okay, wow, they were misdiagnosed or, oh, no, they're on a medication that really is not helpful. And then we can really get down to the treatment and helping the kids flourish in the home environment. You touched on a great point there uh, about misdiagnosis or medications. I've heard, and you've got to tell me, that some kids are over-medicated or something like that, that they just give them all kinds of medications. Do you encounter that with the kids that you work with here in the system? Unfortunately, you do encounter that. You see kids come in to our homes and they're already with three or four or five medications. Uh And then, of course, they have four or five diagnoses even. Mm -hmm. And so as you get to know the child, as you're doing that assessment and understanding where they're really at, get them into a psychiatrist. Sometimes you need to do a reevaluation and you get a psychiatrist to do another psychological so that we can understand, okay, is this child really ADHD or do they have an attachment disorder or do they have autism or do they have some other diagnosis that maybe we missed? And then we can look at the medications. And so, yes, you know, in the state of Virginia, we're doing really a lot of work to try to prevent over-medicating the children that are in foster care. And so what we do is we have to have justification from the psychiatrist. Why are you putting this child or that child on a specific medication? Other states where I've worked in the past, I've been a licensed counselor for about 25 years, well, a little less than 25 years, but I've seen kids before who've been over-medicated and there's some long-term side effects of that. Like I've seen even stunted growth with some children who've been over-medicated for years and years. And that's certainly unfortunate. Let me ask you too, there's a lot of people who have good intentions about foster kids and adoptive kids. I've heard of all kinds of misconceptions, but I know you guys working in this field would know those misconceptions far better than myself. So could you share a little bit with the listeners about some of the misconceptions? As an intake coordinator, I'm basically kind of the first gate that they get to when they're interested in wanting to foster. 
one theme that I have heard over and over again is that people think that the younger the kids are, the easier they'll be. And if they could see me doing air quotes, yeah. <laughs> younger kids, the age of the kid is not going to really make a significant difference in what type of behaviors or deficits that you may encounter when you foster a child. I tell all of our families, it's the individual child. Like I really can't guarantee you like, oh, all of our kids, you know, 10 and below are going to be easy. They're going to adapt within a month. Everything's going to be great. But then our older kids, you know, they're going to be much harder to deal with. You're going to see a lot of more prevalent issues. It's really a case by case issue because we've had cases of both. We've had some of our younger ones that did perfectly fine. And some of our older ones were more difficult. And then it's been vice versa. Some of our older ones adapted greatly. And then some of our younger ones kind of struggled. So I tell our parents, you know, it's case by case, you know, as you share with us your preferences and kind of what you're able to handle and what that looks like for your family, then we'll tailor a specific child to that. But that doesn't mean we'll be able to just find a kid that is just absent of any kind of, you know, issues that may arise while they're in the home. And you're right. I would tend to assume that the older kids are the ones that have more issues or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the little ones are all just innocent and sweet. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I guess that may not always be the case. No. <laughs> <Not at> all. <laughs> well, let me ask you another question about this. And I'll reveal to the audience, I actually have two foster kids right now in my home from the Bear Foundation. And it's really wonderful, but challenging. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the issues that you all encounter with foster parents, people like me, <laughs> like where, I don't know if it's them adjusting or that maybe their misconceptions, or maybe they're in it for the wrong reasons, or what are some of the things that you all see with the foster parents? So kind of going back to the point I made earlier about when you get a diagnosis, a lot of people don't know what that looks like uh -huh. kind of in a very practical, real way. Yeah, That's usually when you'll kind of see some of the issues with the foster parents come up. So you'll maybe have a kid that has, I'll just use a very basic one, you know, maybe ADHD. And most uh -huh. parents are like, oh, that just means they're really hyper. Well, yeah. not necessarily. That could mean that they are very impulsive. <laughs> that could mm -hmm. mean that they have troubles. You know, it could look very different with each individual kid once they get into the home setting. And I think it's kind of just one of those things where we have training for our parents, but it's kind of really hard to train for what that is going to look like in the home, which is why we have the ongoing trainings, which is why we have those opportunities to actually come out to the home and do those interventions with you. Because on a very practical level, it's, it's, it's a little challenging to kind of prepare parents for what this diagnosis is going to manifest when it gets into your home. I think it's just a lot of them get worn out quicker because they weren't expecting such a big shift. They kind of expect it to be disrupted a little bit, but yeah. some of them, it feels like it just gets flipped upside down yeah. and they weren't really prepared for that much of a change because it is an adjustment mm -hmm. for not only the kid, but also for the foster family, especially if they yeah. have biological kids of their own. Two of the things that I see as a struggle is one is just communication. Uh -huh. I think we as individuals, as people in general, have just bad ways to communicate. And so, uh, you know, we always encourage our foster families to be open and communicate as often as possible with our coaches. We call our case managers coaches here. Uh -huh. But ultimately, communication is vital to making this work. If we don't communicate, if we don't understand what's going on in the home and what we can do to help you, then we can't help you. That's one of the challenges that I would say. And then the other challenge is just 
when you come and become a foster parent, try to do your best to be open-minded. Everyone has an idea when they come and start the training of what they want, what type of kid, what type of, whether it's a, a male or a female, whether it's a teenager or a young child. But my encouragement to all of these families is to stay open because every child deserves a home. Every child deserves a family. And we believe that family is the primary place for a child to thrive. And so because of that, we want you to be open-minded. Everything you're saying, Dave, fits what, what's been my experience with you. Because when I first signed up with the Bear Foundation to work with y'all, we only wanted older kids and so forth. They're similar age to my kids who were all teenagers. And now my the kids we have, the two fosters are younger. But it's been good, though, at the same time. What you said about being open-minded and everything, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's true. But you know, it's funny. Most of the listeners here on the program are Christian folks, Christian mental health professionals around the country. And you know, I think a lot of us come to realize that you know we have all these plans for our lives, but God has blessings in store for us if we're open to what he puts in front of us. And in my experience, I've tried to distrust the Bear Foundation with our lives as far as this foster process. And it's been really good to just for us to be open and you all brought a set of kids to us that are just a really good fit for us. And it wasn't what I was looking for, but it feels now like it's what God had for us. So I'm certainly very grateful for all the work that you guys do. And we're grateful for the work that you do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. It's funny. Well, we all work together, right? We all make it happen (laughs) together. Let me ask you this too. The listeners across the country, I've mentioned to you all different people in the mental health professions. Let's just say someone's listening and they want to get involved or help out in some way. What are some ideas you would have for people who want to help out with foster or adoptive kids around the country? Well, my first response would be to foster, (laughs) to actually become a foster parent or rest at home. But there are still more practical things I think that you can do. If you know a foster care agency in your area, I think making your home available or providing resources like clothes, meals, like just basic everyday things because we do have foster parents that take you know like you guys have up what six kids now all together so (laughs) you know having families that in the community that are willing to say hey you know we partner with the bear foundation and we want to give all of our foster families christmas gifts or Mm -hmm. get them you know a tree or make them dinner or just practical things i Mm -hmm. think that could really just help our foster families get through some of the tougher times And then I think just to educate themselves. Another thing that I would recommend is really just understanding what fostering is. So that way it's not kind of just one of those mysterious, you know, oh, fostering. Not really sure exactly what fostering, you know, just just educate yourself. Partner with somebody, you know, fostering agency in the community so that you could be an available resource if needed. And then you yourself could foster. I mean, we definitely have a shortage. (laughs) We can't have too many homes. You know, our kids in need definitely outnumber the homes that we've got available. Let me ask a follow-up question. At the beginning, you mentioned foster yourself or maybe be respite care. I remember when I first started this, I had no idea what it took to become a foster parent or whatever. For the listeners who are going, they don't have a clue either. How long does it take to become certified or reviewed or checked out, whatever you call it, (laughs) to be a foster parent? And what's the difference between being a foster parent and a respite person? Um, So typically we are, Dave has actually been very gracious in allowing our office to kind of just be very flexible with our families. So Mm -hmm. the process typically, if you're kind of taking your time and 
you know, kind of going at a nice pace, about two months to get completely through the certification process. We have had families that come in and just hit the ground running and they've been able to do it within a month, month and a half. It's not too long of a process. The difference, however, between full-time foster parent and respite is, of course, full-time is that you'll usually take a child that doesn't have like a reunification goal, so they're not, well, sometimes you can keep them. And it's more of a long-term, so a couple months, Uh sometimes it could be years. Uh It just depends on the kid's situation. Respite, we like to call those like our vacation homes. Yes, <laughs> so yeah. when our full-time families kind of just need that break. And again, another misconception is biological parents need breaks from their kids. So of course, foster parents are going to get those times where they just kind of just need that downtime. Yeah. So that's not anything that we look at in a negative light. If you need a break, you need a break. So that's kind mm-hmm. of where our respite families come into play. And so basically they would be able to take a kid for, I think, up to... Two weeks is the max, I think, but it could vary between a couple of days, a weekend, just to give that full-time foster family just a chance to kind of just breathe, you know, especially if they just got through a difficult issue or something like that. Just that time away for them to kind of recuperate Mm -hmm. gives the child a chance to kind of recuperate. But the expectation is that, hey, you're just kind of going over here for a little bit, just kind of have fun, blow off some steam. Mm -hmm. But, you know, your full-time family, you're going back home. It's not like a, oh, they're throwing me away kind of thing. So our respite is really just a very needed break for all full-time families and one isn't more important than the other i think both so if listeners around the country said oh this is really cool i want to get involved but they don't want to get super involved they could get approved in their state by some foster adoption agency and then they could do respite care even where it's not a long-term commitment it's just a short-term kind of thing Mm -hmm. and the process is the same for both yeah. yeah. And you're still helping the kids and that's your original goal to begin with. So that's that's good that our listeners know they have options of ways they can help. Well, let me ask you this too. I try to wrap up interviews just by asking a real open-ended question. Like, you know, I we came in here with a few different questions for y'all, but what are some things that you would want listeners to know? I mean, psychologists, counselors, social workers around the country about fostering and adopting that maybe I didn't ask you today or they might not have thought of? Well, as a professional, I would just say that you're important. If you're a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a therapist, an intensive in-home worker, an ABA therapist, whatever you are, whoever you are, Uh you are vital to the treatment of all the kids that are in our care. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for what you do. Thank you for the work that you put in. And then I would just say, if you have those skills and you are equipped with those skills, you would be ideal foster parents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you need to consider what God has for you when it comes to families and children in crisis. And I think that maybe the next step is to call me and to let us know what you can do to be a part of this ministry, to be a part of the solution to this huge, huge crisis that we have. There is over 500,000 kids in foster care across America. That is over six professional football stadiums filled with foster care kids. And there's just never going to be enough families. And so every family that says yes is another child that has a home that they can call their own. You know, what strikes me too is there, I didn't know there was that many kids. I knew there was a lot, but I didn't know the number. That's, that's huge. I've heard there's a number of churches around the country too, that are partnering with adoption and foster care agencies to try to help out. I know even my own church, I didn't know this, but there was eight families in my Sunday school class who all have either foster or adoptive kids. 
And that's a huge support. I mean, like having you all here is great. And you guys do a lot of support for us foster parents, but like seeing people in your Sunday school every week at church, that really is another form of support. So I guess the listeners out there can think about that, you know, about them supporting people in their own churches as well. By the way, does your organization have any kind of outreach to churches to have that kind of support? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can come alongside of the leadership of your church. If you don't have a ministry already for families and children that are in crisis for foster care or adoption, we would love to come talk to you. We can help you develop that ministry. I went to Southeastern and I was honored to work with some professors there that really showed how to develop an orphan care ministry. Tell the listeners about that a little bit. I know you've got a book here about yeah, that. I was just Tony Marita and Rick Morton. They wrote a book called Orphanology. Tony Marita was a professor of mine and he was actually my preaching professor. But uh-huh. what he kind of mentioned though, is that he shared the heart of the church mm-hmm. needs to really be about orphan care. It's one of the mandates. It's James 127 clearly says true religion is this, that you go visit the widows and the orphans in their distress. It's something that we as Christians want to do. And what's cool about James is it's all about being not just speakers of the word, but doers of the word. And so if the word says to go and to minister to the widows and the orphans, Mm -hmm. then we should do that. And so that's really what this book is about. But in this book, Orphanology, there's a chapter about how to start orphan care in your ministry Uh in in your own church. Uh And so, you know, if you'd like to get that, go. I mean, I know that's not a plug for a book, but I'm sure Tony wouldn't, wouldn't mind. But or I can come out and I can talk to you about how to start that ministry in your church. And I know your organization, you said it's been around for over 50 years. Tell the listeners the website for your organization if they want to learn more about this. So you can see us on the web at bear.org, B-A-I-R dot O-R-G. There you can find all the different resources, all the different ministry services that we provide. It's interesting in the state of Virginia, we primarily just do foster care and foster to adopt. We also do what we call path services. It's pathway to permanency. It's a way to reunify the families mm-hmm. to the children. But all across the U.S., we do other things like intensive in-home. We have outpatient therapy. We do a lot of different services all across the U.S. And so go check us out on that website. But if you're in local in this area, you can always call us at 434-944-4939. Um, or again, you can go on our website and reach us there. Well, thank you all so much, Whitney Boyd and Dave Helfrick, for being with us today. I know the listeners really appreciate it, and I appreciate all the support you guys provide to my family as well. Yeah, you guys are our heroes leading the way with taking care of foster and adoptive kids across the country. So I hope that was helpful to you listeners today, hearing about all the options that are here to foster kids and adopt kids and all the different organizations and ministries that can help you in that process. So thanks so much for listening today, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Mental Healthy. Please be sure to subscribe for more episodes and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We hope you join us next time for more on Mental Healthy. Music for this podcast is licensed under Creative Commons by Excel Music Publishing at freemusicpublicdomain.com. Thank you.